JoeVertigan.com. This is another podcast episode with Lowell Bennett. And Lowell, when we last left off, we talked about the 1978 season, how things were changing. Uh, the gas prices had gone up, and you were still wheeling a, a you know a car that was maybe a little bit less than what the others were, were, were had. You know, you didn't have a big boy's track burner chassis or anything like that. But enter the 1979 season. The, the the race cars. I mean, you could still race a car on dirt and asphalt at that time, but it started to become a little bit more work at the, at that time. You could still be competitive, but you were still racing both surfaces yet in 1979. Let's uh, talk about that season and, and where you were with that. Well, we took the, we took the car and we freshened it up, and then Joe, that's the car where you were talking about that had the number on the quarter panel. Yes. Okay, that would have been 79. Okay. Okay. So we took we took the same car and, and basically did what we were doing in 78, although over the winter, a lot of the guys built new cars. Right. And it got to be harder to compete again, and uh, this small block was really taken off by this time. Right. And um, about halfway through the season, um, Lynn Blanchard and I were talking, and Lynn said, I've got a 350 that I used as a test motor on the dyno, and he said, and I'll make you a deal on that small block if you want to do that. So Lynn took my big block in trade. And Lynn, uh, after talking to Mike Granderson, Lynn was kind of real hesitant to get into small blocks. He was. Yeah, he was a big block guy, was he, he not? He was totally a big block guy, and that's why this motor that I bought from him was basically a small block that he had done a lot of playing and playing on the dyno with. Right. And so this was kind of an experimental motor for him getting into the small blocks and trying to learn the small block side of things. Sure. So the 355 cubic inch, uh, 12 to one compression wow. small block. Right. And uh, we put that in the car and um, you know, that was dry sumped. And um, <clears throat> that was a, you know, a, a step up. It definitely stepped up my game. It helped me at Kakana. I won multiple features in 70, or semi-features in 78. Right. You know, still not really, maybe once in a while, able to make a feature. At Kakana in 79, oh, who were some of the, I mean, Rick Summers had that, the Thunder Pony Mustang. Who else was tough back then in 79 at Kakana? Uh, JJ and, and um, you know, Medina Smith, I think, had retired by then in 79, right? I know he ran in 78, yet yeah, I think. I think that was the last year he ran. Yeah. Um, you know, there was there was guys from Milwaukee. I mean, even Loffers came up here. Oh, and yeah. Race. Al Schill would come up. Al Schill. Alan Kowicki, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, Regith. You know, you, you, you had a lot of the, the heavy hitters, you know, on the asphalt that just ran asphalt were were there and then I'm still trying to run the dirt with the same car right so as we're going forward we're watching the blacktop and the dirt kind of split yes and they're becoming kind of two different cars right which is it's it's difficult to race both surfaces with one car right and um, but you still did it we still did it and right. still enjoyed doing it I was more successful on dirt than I was on the blacktop right because it was a dirt car yes it was what it was built for um, you know, if I knew what I knew today and could go back to that era, yeah, the chassis that we had was an ultra low center of gravity chassis, right? And um, you know, with with some setup changes and some shock changes and some geometry changes, that old home built car could have been pretty good. Sure, it's just we didn't know what to do with it. Right, we had nowhere 
nobody really to turn to to get any guidance or you were or pretty much on your own weren't I you I was yeah and, and uh dad really um kind of fell out of interest for a little bit sure. so I didn't really get much input from dad either so right this was just learn learn what you could and you know on the dirt you know Parker always would would take time to help me sure and uh, you know as for Terry and Link um those guys, we would always communicate and stuff. Sure. And, uh, you know, they were great guys to race with. Have a oh, lot yeah. of fun with them. Sure. So in 79, that was the swan song for De Pere. Um, they ran, I think the last race was July 8th. You know, Paul Kazarowski put up some big money that year. Um, you know, and Pete Parker, in a half a season racing there, made like $10,000 racing in 1979. What kind of success did you have at De Pere versus like Shano, or how different were those half miles at all, if if at all? I usually had better success at Ch at De Pere than I did at Shano. There again, Shano was was tough. <clears throat> um, I did win a feature at Shano um, with that car in '79. Uh, right. Um, it uh, it it was. It was tough, you know. It was tough sledding. Um, we um, just trying to think. Uh, De Pere, that year, seventy-eight um, or seventy-nine. We um, trying to think. There was a couple races we went to. One of them, we got to the racetrack at De Pere, and Paul was somewhere sitting in a bar and his guys that were supposed to be watering the truck backed the truck over the top of the water spigot and busted the spigot off oh so they no couldn't way to water. water the track oh boy and we got to the track and there was nothing going on and they had to cancel the races oh boy and that was one of the first real downfalls of that track right um just that people got sent home without racing the weather was fine yeah it just it just was a failure and, um, you know, there was some other things that happened and, and yeah. seeing, seeing the track fail was, was, was kind of sad. Well, so in 1979, uh, by, by, by July, De Pere closes, Seabors closed, Leo's closed. Was the writing on the wall kind of where, you know, uh, you know, maybe asphalt's the way to go? I mean, the nine to one rule hadn't come in yet for another year or two, but yep. did you see yourself or, or could you kind of look ahead to the future and say, you know, maybe this asphalt thing's the way I'm going to go or that hadn't kicked in yet in 79? No, had not kicked in okay. yet. I was, I was a dirt racer. Right. You know, I, I enjoyed the dirt and um, I still couldn't see myself just being an asphalt racer. Sure. You know. Not yet in 79. No. No, definitely not. We were, I was committed to being a dirt racer and, and racing some on the blacktop just because it's what I like to do. Right. Because it was racing. And it was and in 19... we were losing tracks. In 79, you had not yet raced on at Slinger yet, had you? I had not. Never, uh, other than hearing about it. Right. And, and that, had never made a, a, a venture down to there. Now, I was still running up at uh, uh, Luxembourg. Right. And, um, but it, you know, it was sad to see De Pere and Seymour was closed and, and Oshkosh, all three closed. That yeah. It was, was a sad. sad so you didn't race there. as much. I mean, in 1980, when we get into that one, your options to race, I think Luxembourg might've still been open in 1980. Yep. 
Was Bob Heinrich running it then? I'm I wondering. think it was. Right. With that, we'll pause and uh, we'll be back with another episode next week.